Hi, and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast, where I, your host, Mario De Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a delivery manager. We'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do, and wrap all that up in a way which makes sense. This is an attempt at a daily series of podcasts which are released across wherever you get your podcasts from, and an occasional YouTube video version with bonus content, should you want that. If you want to get in touch or get involved with the podcast, or maybe even be a sponsor, get in touch via Twitter at DM underscore daily, or check out the blog, mariosblog.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily. I'm your host, Mario De Cristofano, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, <clears throat> retrospectives, that crazy agile event that's meant to be an inspect and adapt event where you get better collectively as a team. And I want to talk about that today because I found myself over the past year being an independent retrospective kind of runner a number of people have asked me to run retrospectives on projects that I'm not directly involved with and as an independent facilitator it's interesting to kind of get under the hood of projects and observe from afar without having an emotional tie to the project some of the things that I see in terms of themes and I wanted to share those and also start a conversation around what makes a good retro versus the one where everyone rolls their eyes because it becomes a bit of a talking shop. Nothing really happens and then everyone just goes full on into the next sprint and the same problems are repeated again and again ad infinitum and so we go on. So retrospectives, uh, go to the blog mariasblog.co.uk and look for the post retrospect in the retrospective um, and it'll kind of cover some of the things that we'll want to uh, go through on this podcast and I wanted to talk about with you today. So when did you last see retros going um, going well? When was the last time that you came away from a retro and you said to yourself, do you know, that was a really well run retro. I really felt like we had some productive uh, conversation and we got something out of it and we've got some actions and things that we can do as a team um, how many of you then actually do something with those do you put those items in your backlog for your next sprint and therefore do you track them or do they just get kept on post-it notes on a Miro board never to be seen again and that can often be the trap of retros right you do a retro because it's part of the agile set of events and we all talk about it especially delivery managers oh no how do you inspect and adapt oh well i do a retro but actually it just becomes this really tired stayed kind of event where if not managed right it can actually be quite damaging because you give the floor to people that are really kind of negative and have been hurt by the project or the quality of the project and, and maybe become really noisy and vocal and put off new people to the team or maybe this huge political kind of dynamics on the project that no one can really navigate and the retro just serves as a conduit to kind of bring all this to the forefront and actually creates a really toxic environment. So if you don't run a retro right or you're not experienced in running them, you can often have quite a, a, a negative impact on the project. So that retro then, um, you know, you'll all get together. Someone will fire up a Kanban board. Typically what went well, what not so well, what can we do to improve? Everyone has that whinge. You throw up some post-it notes and then everyone gets back on with their day and into the next sprint. And typically nothing really happens in terms of improvement. So what I want to do today is talk about what I do when I run a retro. I'll call it a retro plus 
and some of the the techniques that I use and uh, why it benefits being independent sometimes and maybe give you something to think about when you next run your retro. So this podcast is going to be really useful for those that run retrospectives, whether you're an agile coach, scrum lead, diligently, a digital delivery manager of any description, this podcast is going to be for you. So people are really complex characters and in my time as a delivery manager working in the digital space doing pretty much every job in the IT industry, I've discovered no matter what the project, no matter the client, nor the complexity of what's being done, most issues uncovered can subsequently be distilled into the six kind of tranches that I'm going to talk through with you right now. So those six are, in no particular order, problems with people and culture. Often people are at the root of everything. They're the most complex part of any project. People not getting on, not understanding what they're doing, not understanding one another's needs, not being led or not being the leader they're meant to be. It creates these kind of toxic landscapes full of bad leadership and people casting really negative shadows, creating this really unsafe environment of work. And often people don't take accountability or responsibility for what they do once you get to this point in a project And it can often be really difficult to bring things back on track. That's before you add politics and lack of sincerity, which often is just part of day-to-day kind of business, right? Because everyone's got their own goals. So problems with people and culture is, is one of those things. Problems with process. Either the process is convoluted, it's wrong, it's what's always been done, it's driven by legacy technology, or it's inefficient. Um... Or lack of skills or no time to change, but ultimately those processes are killing what the team's trying to do. Problems with time. So no one has this passion to kind of slow down to get quicker, which is is the idea is this kind of slow down a little bit, look at the past so your future can, you know, get better. But we're all on the hook for being billable and we're all on the hook for just getting the project done and we're all on the hook for just getting on with it and we're told to get on with it right but actually that lack of time to think and execute improvements is going to kill your project and that's what turns retros into talking shops so you'll hear teams say we don't have the time to act on retro actions or we don't have the time to run the retro or it's not my job rinse repeat etc problem with a lack of understanding so i'm always surprised at how many teams don't understand why they're doing what they're doing or the purpose of their work That's often down to the delivery manager not being able to kind of curate a story of here's what the project is about. So many times people come into projects with a very siloed view of what they're doing. They're an engineer, they're going to release some code to do a thing, and that's their bit done. And I would posit that's not the case at all. That engineer is part of a bigger team, and that bigger team is there to do a thing. Whether that thing is mundane, or whether it's innovative, whether it's life-saving, or whether you're running a managed service in some dusty public sector organisation, you're still there to do a thing. And it's really important that everyone understands what that vision, mission and purpose is. And that's leadership. And often if that's not there, you have a problem. So that then leads me on to problems with communication. One of the biggest challenges, I think, people are quickly losing the skill on how to communicate. Certainly over the last two years, the pandemic with everyone remotely has seemingly kind of stunted lots of teams' emotional kind of intelligence. Um, We've got young leaders, young teams, huge commercial complexity, operational and, and Chinese walls through 
scopes of work and commercial contracts and especially if you work in the world of consulting right this is like day to day but it just seems to get worse and politics and all of this kind of contributes to a general lack of an ability to communicate clearly in a way that your mum would understand it's really important and then the final thing of the six is problems with tooling so people and teams not having adequate tooling to do their job so, you know, whether it's an effective development pipeline or a quick internet connection or the right laptop or the right software, how many times have you been on a team where an engineer has got to share an Azure license with Steve, you know, in another team because, you know, things haven't been mobilized properly. And then, of course, you just deal with the, the technical debt accordingly. And then before you know it, there's 10 problems and then it just becomes a, you know, an absolute um, bun fight for all kinds of issues. So. All of these things, the problems with tooling, the problems with communication, the problems with the lack of understanding, problems with time, problems with process and problems with people and culture. As far as I'm concerned and what I've observed, they're the six things that regardless of the project or the team will always come out in sentiments in any retro that I run. And actually it gets to a point where I can run the retro without running the retro because typically going into a project blind a lot of these are staples in any, any project and you've got to ask yourself why do we repeat the same things to get the same results and we don't put the work in to change and there's all kinds of big answers to that question I guess but my job as a what I think is a innovative delivery manager that tries to get to the nub of human behavior and psychology um, is to try and tackle some of these rather than um, some of the more mundane things that to me are mundane like your sprint velocity or how many bugs you've uh, resolved in this particular sprint and we'll come on to that in a minute so not only are those six things that I've talked about there but you know the retro itself often stinks like a mouldy sock right how many how many times have you sat there on a member of a team and you've got some dry dusty delivery manager that's kind of going through the motions of a simple Kanban driven kind of retro. It's really stalely facilitated. No one's capturing any notes. People have got the cameras off. You know, it's been shoehorned into the end of the day on a Friday when people want to go home and have a beer. Um, and then nothing happens post the retro. So the next retro that you have is even more diluted because the one that you did before, well, it's just been a talking shop. So <laughs> there are quite a lot of benefits of running a really good retro, but they're often really badly executed as agile events in their own right. You can use frameworks like Nexus, and I've talked about using a scrumble, which is a stop event mid sprint. So you can, in effect, do a, I don't know what the best way to call it, a kind of a giant retro. Um, but ultimately, you've got to commit to a retro, and we talk about commitment in a moment. So, so what next? So why do we keep doing the same things? Why do I and why am I able to go into a project and just see the same problems? We seem to we do only what we know and we know only what we do. And that just never seems to change. It's such a rare event to find such, you know, all these people are always really well skilled. But to actually be able to work as a team collectively to kind of orchestrate something beautiful, which is you know, project efficiency is just really rare. You know, if you watch an F1 pit team, they kind of move and function with real grace. And each member trusts the person to the left or the right of them. And they've worked really hard to get that kind of orchestration. Or if you watch a, a part automated production line in something high technology like battery manufacturing or microprocessor production, 
you kind of see the interfacing between process tools, people and technology. And I know I'm talking aspirationally in day to day, you'll be delivering a piece of software for a grumpy client and you'll be working 10 hours a day. And I get that. But if you want to be better as a team and as an individual, you've got to start to think about what you bring to the table and how you contribute to the project. If you're a leader, you've got to take responsibility for being a good leader and holding a mirror up to yourselves publicly if you think that, you know, you're getting something wrong. So this notion of a mirror is really important and it's going to form part of everything that we talk about in this short podcast. So you've got to create this genuinely safe space for people to talk and it has to be genuinely safe. You've got to be able to call out the CEO, the client, the, the director, whoever, regardless of hierarchy, if something's fundamentally wrong, you've got to be professional and you've got to obviously, you know, not, not try and upset too many people, but this is a real important opportunity to get better. If all you're gonna do is talk about the, the mundaneness of kind of um, your bug squashed report or your burn down or how many story points you churn through or the quality of your definition of ready, you know, I just don't care about that. That can be picked up in just general operational excellence. I find experiential retros a really important opportunity to collectively get better. Atlassian make this really fantastic point about a retro being a, a reflection of the past to improve the future. And I really like that sentiment. We try and do it as individuals. We learn from our experiences. We're four years old. We touch a hot kettle and we know to never do that again because you're going to get your hand burn. Yet we seem to fall into... And interestingly, from the lens of a delivery manager, we seem to fall into a pattern of the project being on fire before you've even started. What's made me get better, both as a delivery manager and as a leader, is recognising doing the difficult things first that are really tricky and really uncomfortable instead of just immediately going into a project cadence and just cracking on with stuff. You already know what some of the problems are going to be, so tackle those, whether it's a spiky stakeholder or whether it's, you know, risks aren't being managed or you know something's wrong. Speak up, say it and tackle it. If you don't, it'll just turn into this big hairy dragon that later on down the line, even a retrospective probably won't solve. So I run retros to kind of capture that human element. I'm not really interested in an engineering team going through their kind of sprint performance. I think, like I said, that can just be done with general scrum mastery. And and sure, it has a place in a retro, um, but I'm talking about doing something a bit more when you've really got to kind of look at your project and think, wow, you know, we've got a few problems here and we need to get better. So I care about those six themes that I mentioned earlier because everything else is a little bit superficial. If you don't get those things right or tackle them, um, how quick you're getting through your uh, sprints is just meaningless, really. Um, and ultimately, I'm trying to focus on people. And that, for me, has been the biggest difference between my projects being successful or not. And it's taken me a good 10 years to, to kind of learn that. Um, everything else is just, you know, it, it's just not, not as important. So a retro should be really well run and facilitated. You know, it's not just a Kanban board. Think about some of the tooling out there that's available to you to run an experiential uh, retro. There's um, Metro Retro, there's Miro, I'm a big fan of. Um, there's Retro Cat that I'm gonna use for an upcoming independent retro that I've got. Think about making sure that they're run and you're used to kind of running an audience and kind of a bit like a Saturday night chat show host, right? You, you've got to be comfortable. You've got to be comfortable talking to people and you've got to be comfortable taking potentially grumpy people and defensive people outside of their shell. 
you need to summarize the retro afterwards. You need to put in at least 30 to 40% additional time into post retro activity. What does that mean? It means taking the retro output, collecting it all up and doing a little bit of kind of sentiment analysis, putting it into themes and then doing something with it. What I like to do is to use a PowerPoint deck to kind of summarize the key themes and then link out to actions, whether they're behavioral or whether they're practical steps in terms of people, process or technology. Maybe I'll link to documents, training, follow-up sessions, drill down sessions. But it's really important that you kind of create this anchor for a story. So each retrospective, you've kind of have this track of where you've got better. And practically take those things and put them into your backlog and find space in the sprint to tackle them. So come the next retro, you can measure them. Otherwise, what's the point in doing it in the first place? And also a retrospective is kind of this opportunity for people to commit, and I said that before. So I put a lot of effort into my retros, but there's a catch. The catch is I expect a lot from the people who attend them. So if you're gonna sit there, you're gonna have your camera off, um, I'm gonna call you out on it. If there's people that always talk and are really loud, I'm gonna cut you off, and I'm going to ask the people that aren't saying much. And I don't really care whether you're the CEO or my employer, because we're all just human beings at the end of the day. And if you truly want to get better, you've got to kind of cut the BS a bit and just kind of get down to brass tacks. And there is a way of doing that delicately and pragmatically and within the constraints of the commercial world that you uh, you exist in or I exist in. I wouldn't say I'm Gordon Ramsay and I start rocking up to meetings and swearing and shouting, but I think there's a, a level of kind of delicateness that an independent facilitator can offer they're not emotionally connected to the project but putting this much effort into a retrospective I require it out so people sitting there and just going through the motions and throwing up a few post-it notes isn't really uh, a good use of the time I don't think um, so that post retro work you've got to do it and if you're a delivery manager and you just treat a retrospective as just any other agile event and you've got a, a Kanban and you just kind of do it I would ask you, what are you doing with the output? Are you doing anything with it? Are you really verbalising some of the key themes that are coming from it and taking the issues to the leaders of the project or the client and the synthesization of those results into like an output that can be consumed as a story is really, really important. You can hold people accountable to that, but you've got to put that work in uh, in the first place. So what can you do to kind of make your retro better when you're in your next retrospective? Contribute. Some of the things are going to be negative, but think about how you frame them, right? Think practically, be transparent, and give process a chance. Give the retrospective a chance to do its job. Um, if the retro has become a talking shop, acknowledge it, say so. But also be mindful and have the self-awareness of not being a constantly negative kind of sort of hammer. There's got to be a bit of temper in how you communicate some of the issues. And acknowledge that you may not be perfect yourself. Are you really doing as much as you can to help improve the project or solve some of the issues? Maybe you are, but if you're not, um, what can you do? If you're a leader, you've got to own it. Uh, one of your many jobs, right, is to galvanise the team. Tell them what they need to do. We've talked about that vision and mission and purpose, why they need to do it and provide that vision. And so often people just don't quite get what they're doing. And the thing that really winds me up about that is some of the projects that I've kind of been involved with from the outside are like really important, like life changing stuff. And to have engineering teams that are so far removed from it is staggering. 
and help make the retro a success by showing a little bit of vulnerability. You know, one of the biggest things you can do is disarm everyone by putting your hand up and going, do you know what? There's quite a lot going wrong on this project, but I think I could do this better. And oh, I was really angry the other day and I kind of only did half an effort on this or, you know, and I think if you can do that, it has a snowball effect on the rest of the team. And the best way to do that is as leaders start with you. And I think if leaders can demonstrate that vulnerability, it's really important because that will then trickle down into creating a genuine safe space for talking improvement. So if you want an externally facilitated retro run with your team, you can get in touch with me at creativepixel.me.uk or contact me on Twitter at MarioDC. Uh, look out for the podcast or go to the blog, mariosblog.co.uk. Hopefully some of this has resonated with you. I'd be really interested in hearing how you run your retro and do you just stick to the kind of day-to-day -day stuff or do you get deep into the nitty-gritty of people and behaviour? Uh, do let me know. Look forward to carrying on the conversation. Thanks for listening. This episode sponsored by ND Technology Services for IT consultancy and digital delivery projects and Creative Pixel if you want an affordable bespoke website which won't break the bank, get in touch. creativepixel.me.uk forward slash DM daily for a 10% discount on all websites.